Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, we are so excited about today. We've been looking forward to this week for quite some time. Like a number of months we've been planning to have this series, Lovers in a Dangerous Time. And the culmination of this series really is not... You know, it's not just the content that we'd share on a Sunday. It's the dialogue, the healthy dialogue around the type of relationships that we want to build and the type of relationships that we want to be a part of. And so here's sort of the format for today. The idea around today is uh, we're going to try to respond to as many questions as we can. I've got questions here on my phone. We haven't talked about these questions. We haven't pre-discussed them. We haven't prepped for them. We wanted to do the best we could to simulate a live experience where someone could ask a question and we simply respond. And, uh, you know, we, we've taken the pressure off in two ways. One, it's called a Q&R, not a Q&A. We don't think we're experts. Experts have answers. We, we're just trying to share a little bit from experience and we definitely will have a response. You may or may not like the response and that's actually okay. It's okay to to measure out and weigh out what you hear from others and and try to you know take that to the scripture and and come up with a conclusion. The second thing that I feel really free about is we're only going to take about half an hour. Now certainly you can't load in everything that could be conversed about in relationships in half an hour. And so this is a conversation starter. Uh, I hope it's a continuance of conversation for some, but we're going to have have a good time. You looking forward to it? I am. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I think in the book of John, uh, it talks about how God's heart for mm. us, all of us, is to have an abundant life, yeah. an abundant life. And I just believe that having a healthy relationships, like having the healthy relationships yeah, yeah. with people, is part of that abundant life. So uh, just thinking about healthy relationships, you know, some things that we've learned along mm-hmm. the way. Again, we're not experts. We're just sharing some things that we've learned along the way. So... So, yeah, here we go. Yeah. You know, the Bible says in the in the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 22, that plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. As your pastors, we feel really honored that we get to be one of those many advisors. And so today we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump into some Q&R. Jesus, thank you for being with us. I pray that over these next few moments, you'd guide our, our words and our thoughts. I ask that... Not only the people who were asking these questions originally, but to those that these questions apply. I ask that we'd have open hearts and open ears and be ready to respond and to put into practice uh, the principles that are found in your word. That we might have the healthiest relationships in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 In this whole Lovers in a Dangerous Time series, I've just been thinking this thought that it might be a dangerous time. But we should aspire that our relationship would be a safe place, mm-hmm. that our relationship would be a place of safety and of comfort. Ready? Here we go. Open up my phone here. I, I love this. I had a question uh, from one specific husband, and his question was simply, why is my wife always right? There you go. You take that one. Give me your response. Why is his wife specifically always right? He just sounds like a very nice guy, yeah. and he's honoring his lovely wife. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just because he's always wrong. That could be, you know, what's going on right here. Let me give you this question. Oh, this is, I got great ones. I got a whole sheet of questions here. Uh, this is a great one. How often do you guys pray together, and is it necessary to pray for 
all your decisions. How often do you pray together, and is it necessary to pray、mm. for all your decisions? Prayer is powerful,、mm. and prayer is important because we are in relationship with God, who is our Father,、mm-hmm. and and so I think that that ability to be able to come to God with everything is. Is powerful and beautiful.、Yeah. So in our marriage, prayer is key. It is a beautiful thing because we recognize in humility how、yeah. amazing it is that we can bring everything to God and communicate with Him about all the things that we are thinking about, all the things we're feeling,、yeah. the you know pressures and responsibilities that we are not alone, just the two of us that、yeah. we can bring it to God and He is with us. So it is key. I also think that people sometimes have this picture in their mind of prayer being very formal and、mm. very serious. And still, I more so picture it as a or practice it as a just an ongoing communication、yeah. with God, my Father, throughout the entirety of the day, through everything I'm doing. And so that's something、mm. that we are doing separately, but also then、yeah. together at times. And it's not. Just like okay, it's time to pray. It's like oh, throughout the day we're praying, and、mm-hmm. it's some it's together, it's separate, it's praying with our kids during the day.、Yeah. It's you know, prayer is a constant thing throughout the day, and it is key, and it is powerful and important. Yeah, I think in response to that, I would say I've had seasons and times where I would answer that question with not enough.、Yeah. Like, do you guys pray together often? Yes, but not enough. I've had other seasons of of my life, and probably more where I've landed. Is that freedom you speak of? That we're not just praying together in the times where it's like, okay, quiet down everything. The two of us, just the two of us. Let's pray. You go first. I'll go next. But we are constantly in prayer together, and、mm-hmm. God being included in conversations is not a foreign thing. I always like Nehemiah in Scripture, where he's. It says this: like I was asked a question, so I prayed and answered. And I'm thinking like that instantaneous type, spontaneous prayer life where God. Is included, and you modeled this so well. I mean, it would be a constant thing where Jennifer would say, "I was just kind of praying about this, and I came up with this." And I'm thinking, "I've been with you for the last ten minutes. When was the time you were just praying about this?" And、uh, it's actually <laughs> taken off a lot of pressure. Do we pray enough together? Yeah, we we praying together often, but. Those specific times where we say we need to turn off our distractions, we need to get alone, we need to get on the same topic and pray—they're、yeah. really powerful.、Yeah. They're really,、uh, you know, galvanizing and 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 bringing together. So yes, do we pray about every decision?、Uh, sort of. Now I don't wake up in the morning and say, God, what shirt should I wear today? You know, like I, I'm not. At that level, because I do think God gives us wisdom, and I think sometimes we pray about things that God's already answered, and and so we wonder why is God oddly quiet because He's already answered that thing. Should I forgive my wife? Yes, yes. Stop praying about it. Just do. Of course you should. Of course forgiveness would be something. And so I do think there's some things that that、uh, we we say I got to pray about this a little more. No, you don't. You have to act in obedience first.、Mm-hmm. But yes, on all the bigger decisions, it would not just be here's my inclination or here's your preference. It would be let's pray, let's include God in wisdom. Hey, one one down, good job. Here we go. Another another question for you. I, I'll let you respond first again.、Uh, man, oh, this is a good one. And we got asked questions similar to this often. How do you know that the person you're with is the right person 
to marry. Another person asked the same question in this way. People say that when you know, you just know. But did you just know? Response. So I think we've touched on this a little bit throughout the series mm -hmm. and um, often when we're just speaking together. I think uh, there does have to be that a spark or an attraction mm -hmm. that that is important that mm -hmm. is a that is a part of relationship that should be there you are attracted right. to that person and there's something about them that interests you and intrigues you mm -hmm. and you want to know them and know them more and more and more so that is important i also think that there is this thing where you um your life goals line up i yeah. think that's key is that answering the question that yeah. we're on here like uh, how do you know it's the right person? I think a huge part of that is that you guys know that you have the same mm -hmm. goals and you're like, you're going the same direction in life. That's going to be a big part of how you know. Do you just right. know? Well, are you guys kind of on the same page about what what you want to do yeah. with life? What Like what you're planning to do with life? So I think that's yeah. key. You know, I think, you know, the, another thought to that would be this that the, the pressure around right, like I picture a person asking this and putting air quotes around it. How do you know it's the right person? And ultimately, the person that you choose to commit to in covenant is the right person. Now, I just want to be careful because sometimes people ask this question and what they're thinking is, did I pick the wrong person? If you have chosen and covenanted and you're in marriage, you picked the right person. And now you live to make them the right person and to become the right person for them. Yeah. See, right is not, uh, you know, I, I heard a bell ring and it, it, I, I felt a feeling. Sure, that's part of it. But it is the, the decision you make. I will continue yeah. to lay down my life for this person. I'm going to outdo them in honor. You make them the right person when you make that decision. Now, before you make the decision, include people. Before you make that, that decision, don't let it be that the first thing you've ever prayed for God's wisdom is about the person you're, you're supposed to be married to. That's a lot of pressure to put on. Am I hearing God right? I've never actually asked for anything, but I'm going to ask this question. So include others, include wisdom and, and grow in character. And then I think one of the things is this, like, are you ready to commit? And if you're not yet ready to commit, don't put the pressure on the, the timing being off. They seem like the right person. I'm not really ready for this commitment, but I don't want to lose them. If you're thinking the, the question constantly, I just don't want to lose them. What if this is the best it's ever going to be? You're probably just putting a, a strange pressure on yourself. Now, did you just know? I do think there's an element where people have a hard time putting words to, how did you know they were the right person? Because ultimately it's the choice you make. It's I, I, I made a line and I stepped over that line. They are the right person. Was there reasons why? Of course. Was there a lot of little indicators or signs or feelings or, or memories or experiences? All of those things. Mm -hmm. But the moment you know is the moment that you decide to know. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so I, I think it's so frustrating when you are single and married people all hold this little <laughs> secret language. Oh, I just knew. And you're like, well, when will I know? Well, yeah. you'll know when you know. And that's the thing, it's different for like, like this is great advice right there. But you'll know when you know, when you reach that point in life, you're like, I am committed and this is it. And I'm making that move. That is what the knowing that people refer to feels like. Yes. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. Here's another one. Ready? I could get like really deep into one or two and then people would be like, it wasn't, you know, Q and R plural. We just responded to one question. That's how we're so good together because I always really like 
Nope, there's my answer. <laughs> and you can keep. She's、going. good for the yes or no <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. Okay, ready? Here we go. This is a great question. When would you suggest marriage counseling? When is the right time for marriage counseling? I think marriage counseling is always always right <laughs> because you, even before you get married, usually there's this season where you go through marriage counseling,、mm-hmm. right? Leading, Premarital, yeah, yeah, leading up to the actual marriage, and then after. I I think it's great to continue in that mindset where you always want、yeah. to be learning and growing, and marriage counseling is a great way to to go about that, to、yep. grow and to learn more. Like we just spent the last four Tuesdays doing couples therapy, so like some marriage、mm-hmm. counseling, and and it was just. It's not like a, a sign, like oh no, things are really bad and things are terrible. Now we need marriage counseling. It's just like oh, I want to learn some、yeah. fresh, new insights, some new things, to, so that this marriage can keep growing and getting better. Because、right. there can be times where it just seems like it's hit hit a wall and just can't seem to get past some of those issues、yeah. or whatever. And marriage counseling can give you tools、mm-hmm. to help you get past some things. Yeah, I think we just need to demystify the thought of counseling <laughs> and therapy altogether.、Yeah. Like, when's the right time? Now. There's、yeah. no time like the present. Your marriage is strong. Include、mm-hmm. counsel. Your marriage is struggling. Include counsel.、Yeah. You've hit your first kind of rough patch. Include counsel. You are here again at the same old, same old. Working to include. Counsel. Why would the assumption be that things must be really bad if we've gotten to the point that we're going to ask a question? It's kind of the strange stigma, I think, of pride around marriages. Imagine if someone was going to the gym. They say, hey, "Where are you going?" Hey, I'm heading to the gym. And you're like, "Oh no, what's wrong? Is it your heart? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, like, like, is it is it your your、uh, you know your circulatory system? What is it? And they're like, "No, I just want to be." Healthy. healthy. I want to be preventative. So I think the greatest counsel is actually preventative,、mm-hmm. not only corrective. So if you're asking that question now, it's a great time.、Mm-hmm. In Proverbs thirteen ten, it actually says this: Wisdom is with those who receive counsel. You want to be wise in your marriage? Include counsel.、Mm-hmm. And so whether that's formally a counselor or it's getting together with people who have a marriage that you aspire to be like, include them、uh, in your life. Here's a good question: Is it okay to vent or to share your frustrations? About your husband or wife or the person you're in a relationship with to a close friend. Yeah, this question is、uh, asked a lot、mm-hmm. and does seem to be a big thing that couples face.、Mm. Um, usually, it comes down to who you are sharing your thoughts and feelings with. And、um, how much you can trust that person, and how confidential it remains,、mm-hmm. you know, and not just、uh, sharing all of the frustration and tension with someone who's then just going to go share it、right. with everybody else. But is it a trustworthy person? Is it someone that you can go to to find advice and seek counsel from?、Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you know. Number one, does your spouse know? If、yeah. the answer is no, then you shouldn't、yeah. be. Venting about them. Number two, is it a person of character? I mean, why would you ever share something so intimate with a person who doesn't have character? Here's a little tip: if they gossip to you, they'll also gossip about you 100% of the time. So you know, find people who are actually trustworthy people. Number three, I think it's so key: you need to put as much energy 
into communicating the resolution as you did into communicating the problem. Sometimes we we have these relationships, they're like our outlet. We vent, 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 and then things get better and we never revisit it and say, hey, thank you. Number four, include the type of people who don't just listen quietly. And I know all you want when you want to vent is a person who just quietly listens, but include a person who has thoughtful like next steps advice and then actually listen to their advice. Don't vent to someone who has actual like life giving wisdom for you and then disregard it and find yourself back there again. Not only is that going to hurt your marriage or your, you know, romantic relationship, it'll probably hurt that friendship uh, with the person. And then lastly, if there is, you know, any aspect of of uh, distraction around like like you probably shouldn't be venting to a person of the opposite gender in your workplace. You probably shouldn't be venting to an ex. You know, like these are sort of obvious, but I think ought to be mentioned that you you really need to be sharing your heart with people that both you and your spouse know how is the best interest of your marriage in mind. I'm going to have to pick up our cadence if we're going to get through very many more. Okay, you ready? Uh, This is a great one. Uh, If we're not growing together, does that mean we are definitely growing apart? I think that growth together is key. So Mm -hmm. yes, I do feel like if you're not growing together, then that means if one of the, like one person is growing and the Mm -hmm. other person is not, there is going to be this separation or distance. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. I think like even the laws of motion would say that, that things in motion tend to stay in motion Mm -hmm. unless they're moved on by a, like a strong force. And things that are still tend to stay still unless they're moved on by force. If you don't like where your relationship is right now, it will probably take some energy and some force in the direction that you want to go to. And it ties into this next question is, can a relationship be healthy if only one person wants it to be healthy? I'm guessing the person asking this question feels like they're the one person. Can you have a healthy relationship if only one of the two wants it to be healthy? I think that for a season, um, that person who wants Mm. health can really uh, do a lot to help the health. I don't think that that can continue for a long time, though. I think after a while, the health will just start to fade away because that person who's trying really, really hard is just going to get tired and worn out. And... Obviously, the best case scenario is that both, both want health yeah. and both are putting effort in and both are trying and both desire it. And the beautiful thing is often is if one person starts caring and, and wanting it to be healthy, it often in best case scenarios can yeah. help the other person also desire it. But it can't just last like that forever where yeah. one person wants it and one doesn't. Totally. I think that's that's so accurate. Uh, that being said, I think logic would say that one person cares about a thing more than the other always. There's always one person who's the leader. That's just what leadership yeah. is. And so if you have come to the conclusion before your spouse or before your partner that hey, we can need to improve in this and they're not quite there yet, uh, to, to bail now is, is to like say, I don't want to lead in this. It's okay to be a leader and to create space for the other person to follow totally over the long haul of a relationship. If only one person ever puts an effort, it'll just never work. But I think of the the parable that Jesus shares when he talks about wheat and, and tares or like thorns. 
and there's wheat growing, which is good, and then there's these tares that are growing in. And the, the inclination might be, that's going to damage the wheat, let's just tear everything out. But Jesus, actually, the wisdom he gives is let them continue to grow so that the wheat has time to grow in strength and then address the thorns, then address the tares. And so I think sometimes what happens relationally is, is one person goes, like, I just care more than you. That's it. If no, if you're not going to care, then we're done. Yeah. When really what they ought to say is like, like pour into the area of strength and maximize your strengths before constantly only addressing your weaknesses. Like if you know communication is a weakness, don't use the sharing of all your annoyances as the tool to grow in communication. Mm-hmm. Hey, we don't communicate very well. So I just want to list to you like the 25 things I don't like about you. And I'm going to be really clear and articulate those in good communication. Well, that's not your best tool to start to grow in the area of weakness. If you need to address health, uh, begin to address health, knowing that you aren't going to solve every problem. And I really think like communication and, and unity ends up being the environment that you can solve any problem with. When you determine I'm committed to you and we're in this together and anything we face, we will face together, then you can begin to address things. And and even for us, we've been married 19 years, been been together since 1998. There's people watching this, you were not born yet. Others, you were like, yeah, kindergarten, a good year. But, <laughs> but like it's, it's been a lot of time and I still have temptations and, and you probably do as well, that when there's an area where we need to address it just exposes, and there's these seven other areas we also need to address. And it's possible to become overwhelmed and feel like I'm the only one that cares. I think it's so important. Find some common ground. Like, hey, we're going to come around. We do agree on this. And the one thing you agree on right now might just be that your relationship isn't as strong as you want it to be. That's a good starting point. Start there and grow from there. This is a great question that, that was repeated probably like five or six different ways. And essentially the question is, how do you rebuild trust when it's been broken? How do you rebuild or reestablish trust? Hmm. How about you start with this one and I will think a little bit. Okay, I think there's, I mean, so many, yeah, this is so unfair, hey? I'm just, I'll be the reader, you be the first responder. <laughs> it's really my strength. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think this would be such a, a large conversation. I think the, the first, maybe most critical thing is forgiveness. So establishing some actual forgiveness and forgiveness generally partners best with repentance. And so if there's been trust broken, there's probably some, some room for hurt, for bitterness. So address it with repentance, address it with forgiveness. But, but the, the next most crucial thing is really clear communication. Without expectations, there's no room to grow in trust. In fact, what, one of the things that breaks trust the most is just miscommunication. Well, I didn't know that mattered to you. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have wanted to break trust. I just didn't know it mattered that much. So yeah. clear, uh, measurable, achievable goals and giving each other the opportunity to, to get some wins actually is yeah. one of the greatest ways you can serve one another. It's such a, a bigger conversation than that, though, I think. That's probably one of those times where you definitely ought to include yeah. some counsel. If you said trust has been broken and we're trying to address it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to cut you off, but I just think it's such a big one. We could talk a lot of things on that. But but start by including someone who's trustworthy mm-hmm. to care. I think it's really important that we get to this question. Ask maybe the most frequently mm-hmm. of all of the questions uh, was, was this question around uh, purity. Uh, so asked in a lot of different ways, but one of the people articulated it this way, 
Can we just talk about purity a little bit? It really seems unfair for people who've been waiting a long time. Someone else said, how do you rebuild purity uh, when you've made mistakes? Someone else said, how do you stay pure before you're married? Someone else said, how do you uh, uh, put it this way? You know, if we've already made mistakes before marriage, how do we choose purity again? Let's talk just really briefly around mm-hmm. purity. Not briefly because it doesn't matter, but yeah. briefly because <laughs> it's so important. We'll just yeah. keep the conversation going. It is important and it is it is a beautiful thing. And mm-hmm. it is God's heart and his ideal and his mm-hmm. desire is that people would uh, remain pure and save themselves for that, that one person that they commit themselves mm-hmm. to forever. You spoke so well last week just about about what it means and how it's mm-hmm. you know it's such an emotional connection and, and all of those things um so it is important yeah. uh except for we live in this culture that is yeah. makes it so different than, totally. <laughs> than what totally. god's ideal is yeah. right so so many people have no clue that they are supposed to wait or yeah. like, I've met so many people that just have no idea that that's even a thing. Like, yeah. really? You're supposed to wait until yeah. you're married? I've never even heard of that yeah. before. Like, that is so common because it's always presented as like, oh, you know, do whatever you want with whomever you want, whenever you want. Yeah. You're not just waiting for one it's special right. person. Yeah. yeah, it's just it was whatever you feel in the moment. Hmm. And so that is what most people have grown up with, yeah. that, that concept. And so a lot of people are not at that place where they have waited or saved themselves or, you know, that's not where a lot of people Mm -hmm. are. And the great thing about God is that he is gracious and he is uh, forgiving and, and he doesn't hold our sins against us. And so I think it's beautiful that if mistakes have been made, you can know that that there is a fresh start, you know, once, once you understand Mm -hmm. God's heart for you, then you can be like, oh, okay, from yep. this moment on, I want to also go after what God has for me because it is the best for right. me. Yeah, I think I would always address that question with this response. Like purity is not something that you work hard at before you're married and then stop efforting at after you're married. Before you're married, you think purity is my battle until the day I get married. And then what? Then you just get to be dirty? <laughs> like, what a weird thought. No, purity is a lifelong yeah. commitment. Yeah. It, it is, is walking humbly before God. And the word purity actually means to be unmixed. Will there be temptation to mix your morals uh, when you're 13? Yes. 23? Yes. 53? Yes. All through your life, you have to choose purity, and it will always be in response to the grace of God. So when you say, how do we get back to pure if we've made mistakes? The Bible says this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If that's in, in an area of sexual purity, okay, you've fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the great news, is God's gift of grace. And so when you walk, uh, in First John it says, when we walk in the light, we get fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. So one of the greatest things you can do is walking in honesty and transparency and authenticity with one another. If you feel like we've failed before marriage, we've failed in our marriage, we are presently failing, struggling, you need to walk in humility and walk in authenticity before God. You know, Jesus is not light on sin. He's just really heavy on grace. When he says, and we talked about this last week, when he says to a woman caught in adultery, like, yes, you've sinned, but he says, now go and leave your life of sin. He gives a way 
out. So don't walk in condemnation. Don't walk in that weight of impossibility. Make a decision today to be pure and be brutal with it. If you didn't watch last week, go back and watch last week. There's some really practical, helpful tips on, on what to do. But uh, like purity is for all of us. So if you're single, don't look at a married person and say, must be so easy. They have a whole different set of, of issues they need to be pure in. And if you're married, don't look at a single person and say, oh, back when it was simple. No, no, we all have our own you know, fight to fight. And that's why the Apostle Paul can say, I fought the good fight and I finished my race. We've got a fight to fight in this. Mm-hmm. I think we'll, we'll conclude with this. Two thoughts. One, somebody asked, how do we, uh, how do we communicate when we have different love languages? That's literally every married person I've ever met is having to figure out. And so the question is, how do we compromise? Don't compromise. Collaborate. That means you got to be honest with what you need. Celebrate what's needed in the other person. Don't see their set of needs as a weakness while yours are strength or vice versa. So, so the classic thing would be, I keep getting you so many gifts. Where's my gifts? And meanwhile, the person's going, I just wanted time with you, but you're always at the mall buying me gifts. Can we just hang out? You need to actually talk about what you need and then make it your goal. I want to give this person what I need. My love language is not about what I need from them. It's about the unique way that I can learn to give them what they need. And the second question, and I think it's, I mean, it was just so heartfelt. There's a lot of them. Like someone asked, how far is too far? Great question. Probably the wrong question. The real question should be, how can I walk in purity? But it was probably kind of a joke anyway. Yeah. But, but this one question I think was so key. Someone just sharing, like, how do I support for and pray for my spouse when I know they're struggling with something that hurts me? And, and I think ultimately, I think of Samuel in the Bible. He's so hurt that the people uh, of Israel want a king. And God says to Samuel, he's like, Samuel, like, please don't take this personally. The issue that they have right now is actually an issue with my leadership. And I think one of the most important things you can do as a husband or as a wife, as, as much as the mistakes that your spouse makes will hurt you, the, the first and most important thing you can do is understand that when we sin, it's, it's really ultimately before God. And instead of taking every offense personally, we need to hide ourselves in you know the shelter of the Almighty. Like hide ourselves in God and say, God, I, I actually cannot deal with their sin. Uh, I want to be there to help them make right decisions. I want to be there to help them uh, make wiser decisions and help you know heal some of the hurt. And yes, there's a part of it that's me, but don't let bitterness you know, get in there and then grow over the long haul. Make the decision now. I'm going to actually forgive. So before you say, how do I help solve the problem? It probably will start with just forgiving them and releasing them from that. Now, is forgiving saying it never happened? No. Is forgiving like I've just forgotten? It just doesn't work out that way. Forgiveness is a choice that you make and you will always constantly, continually need to keep making it. And it's best made in the environment of understanding how forgiven we are. By God, I think time has probably, you know, come to an end. I want to pray in conclusion today and, and pray that God would help us in all our relationships. I think of what Jesus said when he talks about seeds planted. He says there's some seed that's planted in rocky soil and it just doesn't last. There's some seed that's planted in thorny soil. It gets choked out. And then there's seed planted in good soil and it perseveres and brings forth a harvest. We're praying in your relationships that you would have good soil so that the simple little words of God's, God's advice would grow a harvest. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you right now for every relationship here, for every marriage, every dating person, every single person who's aspiring towards a great relationship. For those who are in a troubled relationship right now, who feel, uh, you know, torn from every side, I ask Jesus that you'd speak truth to us 
and that we'd be noble and persevering to put that proof, that truth into application and see it bear a harvest. I pray blessing over every relationship. Thank you that this is not our last conversation around healthy relationships. May we always keep an open dialogue and always continue to move forward. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you so much. We'll see you next Sunday. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.